this is the greatest hour to follow Jesus. Y'all gonna make my job easy tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Man, I really want to honor Michael and Jessica Kulianos. Um, they are an amazing couple. Yeah. They are the real deal. You know, my wife and I were driving down here, and we were talking about just different people of the faith who remind us of Jesus. And Michael and Jessica came up, and, and I was just talking about one of the characteristics that I see in them that is stronger than I've seen in just about anybody else is their hunger for the Lord and their willingness just to forsake everything and go after him. Uh, it's really special. And so you guys, it's a real privilege that you guys are in their house. And it's a privilege for me to be here. So thank you guys for lending me your ears tonight. Um, Michael's about to speak in a couple of hours. And so we need to pray for him. So if you guys could extend your hands towards like the cameras or something, bro, you got to bring heaven and Bethel. They need Jesus there, I think. Lord, I thank you for Michael and Jessica Kulianos. Lord, I thank you for their hearts to lay everything down for you. Lord, they've made you their pursuit. Jesus, just you, solely their pursuit. So, Lord, would you honor their pursuit tonight? And would you rend the heavens and come down in such a significant way that kids' lives are transformed, that their, their, their spiritual eyes are opened up to see you and behold you? they are transformed into that same image from glory to glory and that Lord you just uh, you set captives free tonight um, Lord you you set the lost in family tonight and Lord would you uh, reinvigorate hope where there's been hope deferred and would you give people a new sense of purpose passion calling and destiny tonight through Michael let him be a vessel for you and hear your voice in Jesus name Amen. Amen. And I'm like giddy up here. It's so exciting to be here tonight. And you got, I've got David. I got the man on the keys over here. Dude. Look at you, bro. So I'm just going to give you a quick little background on me, share some of my testimonies so you can get to know who I am. We can maybe we get to know each other a little bit afterwards. Um, I want to share on worship. So I think y'all like to worship in here, and then we're going to worship again. Um, yeah, as, uh, as she said, my, my wife and I, we've been at the Upper Room for the last seven years, and we pioneered the worship movement there. And this last year, I went on sabbatical and felt the Lord calling me back to the entertainment industry. I, when I got saved... Um, I actually got, I had my first encounter with the Lord down in South Beach. I was uh, modeling down there, and uh, I didn't know the Lord. <laughs> Why is that funny? Gosh. Um, and, you know, I was down there doing the thing in South Beach, and, you know, I, I had a sense of fame. I was hanging around famous people. I was, I had money. Um, I had girls, which is what you do when you're a model, and, um, and it was all in vanity. I was more miserable than I'd ever been in my life, and, and I saw where the road ended. I was like, man, I've got all this. It's what the world had esteemed. I felt like I had bought this lie from the enemy, and, and I went after it, but it was just empty, you know? 
And I was in my high rise one night in South Beach. And, uh, and I was like, God, is this all there is? I, I need a crowd to Jesus. I had a, I had a uh, Pentecostal grandmother who used to pray for us. Uh, but I didn't. My, my wife, like, she got saved at two and rededicated her life at three. After that, she backslid for a year pillow fighting or something, you know? And she, like, grew up listening to Salty the Singing Songbook. And, and my nursery rhymes were like Rick James, you know? And Earth, Wind, and Fire was just totally different background. So, but, my, but I had that grandmother that, you know, that taught me about just to pray to Jesus. And so I, I'm praying to God. I'm like, God, you know, are you real? I don't, I don't even remember what I prayed. But it was like this lightning bolt strikes me. And I go paralyzed to the floor in my high rise, unable to move for about 20, 30 minutes. And, and I just remember tears going down the side of my eyes. I couldn't move my body. I was just stiff. And it just felt like electricity coursing through my veins. And I told my friends the next night, I was like, guys, I encountered eternity. And they're like, bro, were you sober? And I was like, dude, I was, you know. And I didn't, I didn't have language for what was happening to me. But the next night, I'm laying in my bed. And I start praying again. And it feels like this hand comes down on me. And I go paralyzed again. I can't move. And this screen just pops before my eyes. And I see Jesus. And I see him bloody. And he's mangled. And he's going to the cross. And he's walking. He's carrying the cross. And he's just so beat up. But he turns. And his eyes light up. And I see the Jesus image. And, And in that moment, I knew that that was for me that what he did was for me, and everything changed. I went sober, celibate, moved from the East Coast to the West Coast, and like just went 180 degrees from everything that I was pursuing. And, um, but when I was out in LA, like I didn't, I mean, to be honest, Christians kind of weirded me out. And so I didn't go to church, because I was kind of scared of Christians. (laughs) And so now I am one, I kind of weirded myself out, so. but the only person I knew out there was this guy who was a casting director for Robert Duvall Films, and, and he was new age, you know, and so he started giving me all these other books other than the Bible. And, uh, and so I kind of got this twisted mindset, you know, but I was still hungry and search, searching for God. And then my father got sick with cancer back in Dallas, and so I, he called me up one day, and, and I said, you know, if you need me there, I'll be there for you. And uh, he called me up, so I'm going to need you there. And I moved to Dallas. And was a caretaker for my dad for like a year and a half. I'd laid down my dreams, laid down everything, you know. And uh, but back when I was in LA, I was flipping through the TV one night, and I saw this black pastor on TV, and, I, and this dude was like, it was like a man's man. It was the first Christian I had seen that was like a man's man. And uh, I found out he had a church in Dallas, and I was like, I'm gonna go check it out. And so I go to the church, and they're sort of worshiping, you know. And I'm looking, it looked like there was a cloud in the room, and I'm like, did they have a smoke machine in this place? I thought I was having a flashback or something. I thought I was tripping out, you know? And I was like, what's going on in here? And I started kind of shaking. You know, I've had all these weird feelings going on me. And then I got scared, and I just, like, bolted out the back door, you know? And then the next week, I was like, man, I don't know what was going on there. I was like, I got to go back, you know? (laughs) And so I go back again. I'm in there, and it it looks like there's a cloud in the room again. I'm like, man, am I tripping out? You know, I start shaking, cold sweats, you know? freaking out and then but I decided to stay and he starts preaching the message of the cross and it was all about what had Jesus had done for us whereas in every other religion it's about what you do and I had become real self-righteous in my own spirituality 
But when I saw and heard the message of the cross and what Jesus had done, man, it cut right through that. And he starts giving this altar call. And, uh, and he's like, I know there's one more person that needs to give their life to Jesus. And then me, I'm going, these little voices are going, no, go, no, go, no, no, go. And in what felt like 20 minutes, he's like, I know there's one more person in this room. There's one more person. And there's one lady like standing next to me. And then there's the aisle and she's standing here. And all of a sudden she steps out into the aisle and takes one step back like this. and Just looks straight ahead. And I was an actor, so I was like, I guess that's my cue. <laughs> Walk down and boom, ball and give my life to Jesus. And yeah. I met my wife like a month later. And we ended up going back, moving from Dallas to Hollywood because I still felt called to be a light in the entertainment industry. Because as a kid, don't laugh, you can laugh. But my dream was I wanted to grow up and be in the mafia. Okay? I mean, that was really what I wanted to be. It's because, well, the reason is, is because I was discipled by Al Pacino, Martin Scorsese, Robert De Niro, all the movies that I had watched, right? So I was like, man, those films, because I was, I, my dad wasn't around, you know, because I moved in with my mom and different stories. So I didn't have the male influences. So all the male influences that I had were what I saw on television, what I listened to in music. And, and I knew the negative effect that it had on my life. I wanted to go out there and make a change. So my wife and I, we moved out there. And we'd been there about a couple of weeks. And I'm laying in bed. And this is my first year of being a believer. And I'm laying in bed. And all of a sudden, the Spirit of God hits, hits my spirit. And I leap out of bed screaming, it's all about worship. I woke Meredith up. And I didn't have any idea what I said, but I knew in my spirit that it was the deepest truth that I had ever experienced outside of coming to Christ. But I didn't know why. I didn't know why people sang songs in church at the time. I was like, why do they sing songs? I had no concept, no clue, but I knew that it was all about worship. And God began to take me on this journey to show me that everything that we do in life orients our world a little bit more like heaven or a little bit more like hell. Everything that we do. And he showed me that the ultimate battle, the ultimate battle over all of our lives is who is going to be worshipped. The devil knows this, right? When Jesus was tempted with all the kingdoms of the world, he says, you can have all this if you'll just do what? Worship, right? When, when the Israelites were in bondage, God spoke to Moses. He said, go, go tell Pharaoh, let my people go that they may what? worship, right? It's all throughout. It's all about worship. Because humanity has this sickness that took place with Adam and Eve in the garden, and they ate of the wrong fruit, and they became self-conscious, right? And so we all have this issue where we get insecure and self-conscious and fearful. That's why everybody in the world does drugs. That's why I do drugs, because I wanted to get free from me. I just didn't know how. That's the only way I could feel freedom. I didn't know that there was this God who was so real that when I worshiped him, I could lose myself. I could lose my life. And in beholding him, I could actually find my life and I could see who I really was made to be. Who he created me for. What he created me for. Oh, it's all about worship. 
so the Lord took my wife on this journey. We thought we moved out to L.A. for one thing. We moved out there to be licensed in the entertainment industry. And then six months later, we found ourselves living in the West Bank of Israel. So when I first got saved, I said, God, I'm going to walk with you anywhere you want me to go, but there's two places on the planet I don't want to go. One is Sudan, and this other is the West Bank of Israel. Within six months of me being saved, no, so within the first year, I'm living in the West Bank of Israel. Well, guess what? It was the most amazing time of my life. And I realized that these fears that the enemy had put on me from the beginning, it was actually an indicator of where my destiny was. That my destiny actually lied on the other side of my fears. Because he didn't want me to go there. He didn't want what God had for me there. But God's got a way of getting us around our fears, right? Some call him Jehovah Sneaky or whatever you want to call him, but you just follow him, man. He's the answer. Don't make any decisions based upon your fears, the voice of fear. Just don't do it. Um, So we go to Israel, and we do YWAM. We spent like four months in Israel, two months in uh, Turkey, and we were kind of figuring out what we were going to do next, the next, next chapter after that. And I had a lot of favor amongst the Muslims and the Palestinians, and so I wanted to stay there in the West Bank and teach English. But that was a total death to my wife, who's a blonde singing actress. And that just does, there's not much room for women in that culture. There just isn't. And so she really had to lay down her life and come to the end of herself. And it's interesting how, you know, when you, when you do that, you fully lay down your life, then he, he gives you something even greater. And uh, she had been a, a jazz singer and, and uh, sang big band orchestra stuff for a long time. And, but the Lord began to speak to her about this. She was a worshiper. She was called to worship. But she was having this struggle internally of, okay, what does it look like to truly worship and not perform? I don't want to perform for you, God. I want to worship you. Because all she's known is performance. I think a lot of us who grew up, who've been in legalistic backgrounds can relate to that what it's like to really worship versus, you know, perform. And, um, and so we had gathered in this small group around her, and uh, we had, um, this girl was like, Lord, she was a real powerful prayer warrior. She, this girl had been on the mission field and, and worked with sex trafficking girls in Thailand, and she prayed in a way that I just, I didn't know about because I was new, and, and she, she prayed over Meredith, and she goes, Lord, would you show Meredith what happens in the spiritual realm when she worships you? And show her right now! And I was like, you can't tell God that, you know? I was like offended by her prayer. But then all of a sudden I went, ah! Bam! I hit the ground. He didn't show her, he showed me. I guess because we're one. And I've... I have not fallen on the ground since that moment. That's just not, it's just never happened to me, you know? If it's going to be real, it's going to be real with me. But the Lord laid me out. I actually got totally short-circuited is what happened. You know, you have, my spiritual eyes were open into eternity. And and this wasn't like, you know, you see things in your imagination. You have like a see or picture thing. This was totally different. It was like my spirit man was opened up and I saw this whole host of angels. And in a split second, I knew their thoughts. I could feel what they felt. I knew their callings, what they were created for, and their destiny. All that information is just available in the eternal realm. 
but my body couldn't handle it. So I collapsed to the floor and I fall on the ground weeping uncontrollably for about, what, like, how long was it, Meredith? Like 20 minutes? 30 minutes? And they were just looking at me, you okay? And I'm like, <laughs> yes. And I was just totally out of control, totally undone. But what I saw in that moment, some of the angels were for healing, some were for ministering, some were for deliverance, some were for warring. They were created for those specific purposes. God wired them for that. But their destinies were contingent upon my wife's worship. That they couldn't be released into the earth until she released her song. How is that with all of us, though? What is the thing God has made you for? That when you begin to do that thing, it opens up your heart, it opens up the heavens, and there's this angelic thing that begins to happen. You got a guy named Michael Kulianos running this thing. You had Michael Miller last week. Michael Malden. Hurricane Michael. In the Bible, there's a pretty powerful angel named Michael. And I think God is wanting to, uh, to give us a new awareness of that realm. I think in the body of Christ, we've become very sensitive to the demonic. Everybody can tell when there's demonic activity happening. But how many people are actually aware when there's angelic activity happening? I think the Lord wants to shift us a little bit to where we're more aware of what God is doing. His angels. So that we can begin to war with them and advance and take territory in the earth. That we can walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Because we got a whole legion of angels with us. Because we know how to rend the heavens. We know how to rip it open so angels can ascend and descend. We know how to gain revelation. We can tell when angels are warring or ministering or bringing deliverance. Because they walk with the Lord in that way. Right? I get excited about this. So for a year, I didn't talk about my experience except to my wife. We'd be in the kitchen, and I'd just start crying. You gotta sing. You gotta sing. Because I felt their burden. It was like they were screaming with everything that was inside of them for her to sing. Just think about, if if God has created you for this one purpose, it's all you burn for. You know what your destiny is. You're like, I just have to do this thing, but I can't do it till this person in another room or another dimension does their thing. And they can't hear you, so they're like screaming. Just sing. Because they wanted to do what they were called to do. But this whole thing freaked me out. Because I didn't have biblical context for it. I'm a new believer. I dabbled in like this new age world, so I wanted everything in my life to be biblical. Because I saw the fallacy of what that was. I wanted my life to line up on the word of God. So I didn't talk about it. I would just look at her and cry and say, you got to sing. But then I would pray. I was like, God, you got to show me this in the word. And I began to look in the word, but I also began to look for other people who had similar experiences. And I found a guy online. He was a Baptist pastor named Gary Oates. And he wrote a book called Open My Eyes, Lord. We began to see in the spiritual realm. So I ordered this book. The book arrives at my house. I open up the package, 
I, the book's sitting right here. I get a phone call from my dad's friend. My dad's buddy, this is a guy who used to, he's like, like one of Willie Nelson's outlaws. You know, he rolls with that guy. He's like not a Jesus church guy. He's like a Willie guy. But he called me and said, hey, these girls that, uh, that work for me, she goes, she goes, she just went to this like Gary Oates conference. You ever heard of Gary Oates? I'm like staring at the book right here. And I'm like, yeah, I got his book right here. He's like, man, she said that they saw angels, all this crazy stuff. And I was like, oh my gosh. So I began to dip into the book. And he starts telling this story how he was a Baptist pastor. And he was burnt out on ministry. But he decided to go on one last missions trip down in South America in Brazil. And he met a guy there um, who, who had been healed of Down syndrome when he was a baby. And because of that, he could see in the spiritual realm. And so the guy was telling him about it. So he, they were on a bus. And so he had that guy who had been healed of Down syndrome that could see in the spiritual realm. He goes, would you pray for me? I want to see what you see. So the guy prayed over him in Portuguese. He didn't feel anything. But that night, they were in worship. And the guy who had been healed of the Down syndrome was a drummer. And he began to go into this warlike drum. And all of a sudden, he sees angels fly into the room and start cutting off darkness off people's heads that were in the room. Think about King Saul when he was tormented by a demon. He would bring David in to come play, right? Bring David in to come play. There's a sound of worship that releases angels. Meredith referenced it in 2 Chronicles 20 when Jehoshaphat was leading the army. You guys know the story, right? They're surrounded by their enemies and God goes, prophetic word comes forth and he's like send out the worshipers God's plan for our life isn't it safe it's not but you will overcome with him it's just not safe he sends you out as lambs amongst wolves he's got this plan he's like alright I'm going to come to the earth in a baby form I'm going to be born in a manger in a time when they're killing all the babies not safe I'm going to raise up my deliverer and I'm going to let the most evil system in the world raise him under Pharaoh that's not safe right God's ways are not our ways they're not safe so he says let's send the band out into the battlefield first let's send the worshipers out would you go there with me in 2 Chronicles 20 I'll have scriptures you can throw up, up there. Second Chronicles twenty twenty. Says they arose early in the morning. They left for the desert of Tekoa. As they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, "Listen to me, Judah and people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God, and you will be upheld. Have faith in His prophets, and you'll be successful." Next. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out ahead of the army, saying, Give thanks to the Lord, for his love endures forever. Next verse. 
And they began to sing and praise the Lord. And the Lord sent ambushes against the men of Amnon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who were invading Judah as they were defeated. Right? So go back to 22. Sorry, 21. So it says, so he sends them out first. The Bible says we enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. There's this proper protocol for us to enter in rightly because there's something about thanksgiving that begins to open our hearts. When then there's an open heart, there's an open heaven reality because it says the kingdom of heaven is within. It's at hand, it's within. There's a connection there. Because this word for thanks right here is this word, yeah, that's a Hebrew word, yada, say yada. It's three Hebrew letters, yod, dalet, and hey. It's a picture. The Hebrews are pictures, right? So the picture of this thanksgiving is yod, is the hands being extended like this. The dalet is a door opening, and the hey is the breath of God coming in. So this expression of giving thanks is this. It's the most vulnerable position you can put yourself in as you're going out into battle. Give thanks, because it opens the door for the Spirit of God to come in. Yada. Then it it goes on next, where it says, they begin to sing and praise the Lord. He set ambushes against them. That word for praise right there is tehillah. It's the spontaneous praise of the heart. It's a heart praise. It comes from the word halal, which means to be clamorously foolish, to be radiant, to boast, to act like a madman. It's a wild expression. It's a sacrificial type of praise. But this praise dimension is a personal dimension. That's why I said, tell the Lord something that he has done for you personally. Because the word yada comes from the Hebrew word yada. I'm going all Hebrew teaching on you. Stay with me, though. Because this says, when Adam knew Eve... They had a son. This word new is the word yada. So as you're intimate with God and he begins to breathe on it, the, 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 the H, the Hebrew word, the H is the breath of God. The yada becomes yada. And that intimacy that he has with you, you begin to express it back to him. That's the place where the heavens are rent and he comes down. He's enthroned upon your praises. So I began to look at this dynamic in the Bible and seeing this praise, this thanksgiving and into praise and seeing the Lord begin to move, seeing these angels begin to manifest. And I'm like, Lord, teach me more. So he says, go look at John 1, 51. Can you go there? He says, verily, Oh, very truly. Very true. <laughs> Sorry. I just imagine somebody saying, coming up to me and saying, verily. So I don't use that language anymore. Very truly I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. He said, you'll see this. So what's he referring to? Go to Genesis 28. 
I know a lot of you guys know this, but the Lord is, he's been speaking to me in this season about going back to the basics. He says there's deep revelation in the basics. Just loving God and loving your neighbor. Genesis 28, verse 11. Jacob. It says, he came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of that place and he put it at his head. And he lay down in that place to sleep. Then he dreamed. And behold, a ladder was set up on the earth. Its top reached into the heavens and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And he was afraid and he said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. So what Jesus is talking about in, 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 in John 151, he's referring to himself as this gateway and this ladder that Jacob experienced back in the Old Testament. Well, how did Jacob experience this reality? He placed his head upon the rock. Colossians 3 says this, for you have died. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. So set your mind on the things that are above where Christ, the rock, is seated. Then Christ, who is your life, will appear and you'll appear with him in glory. He put his mind upon the rock. Why is worship so important? Because it gets our mind off the earthly things. We begin to set our minds on the things that are above where Christ is seated. Because it says you have died. And your life is hidden with Christ and God. Everything about your life is hidden in that realm. That realm is right here. The access is right here. Thanksgiving. Praise of Jesus who he is. That realm begins to be opened up to you. You begin to behold who he is, that Jesus image. Then you are transformed into that image. And there's this angelic thing that begins to happen. You begin to get a revelation about who you are, who he is, what he wants you to do, how to live life. Jesus lived this way. He said, I only do what I see the Father doing. He stayed in this connected realm. Paul said, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God for you. In everything, give thanks, right? So when I was in Israel, I saw another vision of my wife. I saw this vision of her that when she sang, I saw angels riding on the sound waves of her song. And I was like, is that biblical? I found it. Go to Judges 13, verse 15. The Old Testament sacrifices, right, are a shadow of the things to come. Our New Testament sacrifices are what? Thanksgiving, praise, offerings, our finances, right? Obedience. So Judges 13 to 15, this is Manoah, this is Samson's father. An angel comes to him. Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, we would like you to stay until we prepare a young goat for you. The angel of the Lord replied, even though you detain me, I can't eat any of your food, 
But if you prepare a burnt offering, offer it to the Lord. Manoah didn't realize that it was the angel of the Lord. Then Manoah inquired of the angel and said, what's your name so that we may honor you when your word comes true? And he says, what do you ask my name? It's beyond understanding. It's too wonderful. You can't, you can't know it. And Manoah took a young goat together with a grain offering. He sacrificed it on a rock to the Lord. And the Lord did an amazing thing while Manoah and his wife watched. The flame blazed up from the altar towards heaven and the angel of the Lord ascended in the flame. Old Testament, we sacrifice animals. New Testament, you are the sacrifice. Why they get stuck in this realm, I don't know. (laughs) But they need us to sacrifice to get back home, so (laughs) I don't know. But there's this thing of living, Romans 12, 1 says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, right? And that as we begin to sacrifice, especially through hard times, you know, as we, as we were worshiping tonight, that we hit on the valley of the shadow of death. The only time you're going to get to sacrifice, have a sacrifice of praise, is this side of eternity, right? You won't sacrifice when you get to heaven because you just behold him as he is. But when you're going through things and it seems like all hell is breaking loose against you and it feels like the deck is stacked against you, I'm telling you, I feel so strong in my heart. The Lord is saying tonight, the deck is stacked in your favor. I'm telling you, I feel it with all that's within me. Even if your situation seems so hopeless, if you feel like you're in the valley, you feel like you're all alone. You feel like you've been betrayed, you've been abandoned, you've lost your job, your kids are rogue, you don't know what to do with your life, you got a bad health report, you feel alone, whatever it is, he's saying, I've got the deck stacked in your favor, just come worship me. If you come worship me, those, all those problems, and they're real. They're real. They hurt. If you've been stabbed in the back and betrayed, there's no pain like that. You've had a spouse leave you, there's no pain like that. But he's saying, if you begin to behold me, that problem will begin to shrink. And I'll send angelic, angelic assistance on your behalf to come minister to you, to guess what? Jesus needed to get ministered to by angels. Jesus needed it. I'm not saying worship angels. Don't do that. The Bible's clear about that, but I think everybody's so afraid because of that one verse that we're going to worship angels that we just ignore them. He's got an army in the heavenlies waiting for us to step into worship into who we are so we can advance in the earth I'm telling you this is the hour for advancement this is the hour and he's looking for a people who will recklessly abandon themselves in worship 
night and day, day and night, in their home, in their business, in their car, where they cultivate this atmosphere of heaven, where they're so aware of what God and his angels are doing, that they just steamroll the enemy. I'm serious. This is how I fight my battles. Hey, would y'all come up for worship? And then I could go on forever with this stuff. making sense y'all is this good I want to read one more verse and then we're going to worship Meredith did you want to add anything do you want to share anything pull up Acts 16, 16. This is like my favorite chapter in the Bible. Hey, real quick, how many people in this room are going through a rough season, challenging season? This, the seasons when you're going through the most challenging and chaotic times, these are the seasons where the Spirit of God hovers over your life. It's real. It's like, it's like Genesis 1, where the earth is formless and void. It's chaotic. It says, that's, it says darkness is over the face of the deep. So there's a real darkness. But it says the Spirit of God begins to hover in those places. And I believe it's in these places that the Lord really wants to speak to you and restructure and reform your season. And sets you in a new place. He really does. So Acts 16. 16. It says they were going to the place of prayer. You guys all know this story. It says they were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination. And she brought her owners much gain by fortune telling. She followed Paul and Silas and us crying out. So these men are servants of the most high God who proclaimed to you the way of salvation. And she kept doing this for many days. And I love this. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turns and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus, get out. But when the owners saw that their hopes of gain were gone, they seized Paul and Silas, dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. They brought them before the magistrates. Fast forwarding, says the crowd joined in attacking them and the magistrates tore their garments, gave them orders to be beaten with rods. They inflicted many blows upon them, threw them in prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Would you say these guys are going through a rough time? rough time, right? Think about this. You're following God. You're doing his will. You're being obedient. You're casting out devils. You're doing the work of the Lord. And then all of a sudden, all hell breaks loose on your life. You get drugged through the streets. 
you get stripped naked, you get beaten with rods, you get thrown in jail. What's the fleshly response in that situation? What is nine out of ten people going to do when that happens to them? God, where are you? Where are you? We're doing your work. We're following you. Why, why is this happening to us? You know, I had a dream a few years back. And in this dream, I was with a group of men. And I was so mad because the devil kept attacking me. And I go, God, why do you allow the devil to keep attacking us? He didn't say anything. But these men behind me in this triumphant like shout, they go, so we can have victory! And I was like, oh yeah. I like that. So Paul and Silas, they're not murmuring, they're not complaining, their flesh wants to complain. Guarantee it, 100%. Their flesh does not want to worship and pray. Their flesh wants to moan and go, God, where are you? But they know that moaning and complaining kept the Israelites in the wilderness for 40 years. So they have to war against that internal nature. They have to offer up a sacrifice of thanksgiving and praise in the most inopportune time. Strip naked, bloody, beaten with rods, in shackles. And they're probably starving. And it's at midnight, so they're tired. These dudes are on another planet. They're not living in the earthly realm. This is about midnight. Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Prisoners were listening. Suddenly there was a great earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were unfastened. The jailer awoke, saw the prison open. He drew sword about to kill himself. But even think about this. The door's open. Most people are going to like bolt out. Paul and Silas, they're just chilling. They're still like singing or something. The jailer comes in, fell down before, before Paul and Silas, and he says, what must I do to be saved? They knew that even in their suffering, there was a greater purpose for why they were there. I'm just here to tell you that if you're going through a tough season, there's a greater purpose for why you are there. And it's that place of suffering where you get to offer up this beautiful sacrifice of praise and your flesh will scream against you but it will rip the heavens open and your prison bars will get broken and the angels will be ascending and descending in your midst if you can turn your gaze that way. Amen? So let's worship. To get daily teaching from Michael and to follow our event schedule around the world, please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Be sure to subscribe to the Jesus Image TV YouTube channel as well. By partnering with Jesus Image, you will help us take the saving and healing power of Jesus to the world. Your giving changes lives forever. For more information, please visit us online at JesusImage.tv or write us at Jesus Image, P.O. Box 950-640, Lake Mary, Florida, 32795. Thank you for your prayers and financial support. Jesus is the answer for every life, everywhere.